Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi on this Tuesday afternoon, the 29th of August. Getting close to Labor Day weekend, the first full weekend of the college football season. Great to be with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. What a good time we had yesterday at the Sportsbook. You can do that yourself as well. The Sportsbook inside the Golden Moon Casino, part of Pearl River Resort. Learn more about everything that's happening at Pearl River online at Pearl River Resort. Com. Love to hear from you. Ceasefire text line, as always, is open. That number is 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Ceasefire Business. You can learn more about them online at ceasefire.com slash business. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. We got plenty, plenty, plenty to get to. We will continue our preview of the 12 non-Mississippi teams in the SEC. Today, Missouri is on the docket. Looking forward to uh, that a little bit. Um, we're, we're, Less about the team and more about the guest, huh? Hey, Dad, super excited about this. I've never talked to him. Yeah. Yeah, so like the guy I normally go to, Dave Matter, who's covered Missouri for decades, texted him. He's like, "Hey, I don't cover Missouri anymore." I was like, "Oh, all right well, then." He doesn't cover Missouri for the newspaper that he's worked for. I was following right. him on. Well, it sounds like there's something new that is in the in the world. I'm sure there is. It's not that, there yet. That seems to be the new thing, right? That people are leaving their papers and creating media groups that you know that they can have a little bit more control over what they're writing that seems to be a new thing and good for them but he he would long story short he's not doing the interview so i asked them you know when you have friends you're like hey who else is there and they were like there's this scottish guy so like, and you're like i'm sold i'm, I'm intrigued i'm intrigued so i looked him up and i was like i got his number and he's like yeah i can do that and so we'll have him on did his text come through in a Scottish accent also? No, it was just good old-fashioned American. They, they should read slightly different, right? Like a little bit different font or like barely italicized, just a little little something extra. <laughs> no, yeah. well. Well, no, I'm sure that... That's, a, that's an us, Android function. I don't know. Do you think that he'll tell us that uh, Missouri are playing this weekend? He might. 
We might have that subject verb disagreement. Yeah. Uh, it would be beautiful. So, yeah, Catlin McAndrew will join us. We'll talk with Missouri, uh, about Missouri to begin the 4 o'clock hour. Luke Johnson joins us also on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll talk some Southern Miss with him this afternoon. we get two teams on 100 teams in 100 days. One of those teams has already lost. One of them is uh, kind of like a uh, uh, a ship that is sailing rudderless on the ocean. Uh, Oregon State, who happens to, to have really home. good weaponry on the ship too, like the the sails have holes in them, the rudders broken, and they are just strapped with the best cannons and muskets that money can buy. It's it's weird uh, circumstance there. Yes, yes, uh, it is. Um, what a situation for Oregon State. So we'll get into the uh, into the Beavers coming up uh, a little bit later. As we continue the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days, we will hear from both Lane Kiffin and Zach Arnett with their media availabilities for game week yesterday. And so there is a lot happening, but since we have made it to the football season, we lead with lines. What does Vegas say about the games that are happening this weekend involving SEC teams? Some of them are big. Some of them are non-existent because you have FCS opponents or... Um, F, yeah, FCS opponents, one double A, whatever. You, right. you gotta, you gotta go to kind of some exotic outfits to find a line for, uh, for some of those games. But some of these are pretty fun, including the Thursday night matchup between Florida and Utah. It is a game that we have talked about a lot in the offseason, and it's because it's a marquee game right out of the gate. Florida beat Utah last year in Gainesville, a very entertaining football game. Was that the high water mark for Anthony Richardson last year? Yeah, the pump well, fake spin move yeah. thing. Yeah, either yeah. that or maybe going in the top five picks of the NFL draft. That might have been the high water mark. But and on being the named starter, the on the field high water. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, that pump fake is still so sick. Then uh, the spin move pump fake. Man, that was awesome. It was no doubt. They won the Heisman special. that night. Uh, yes, if they had given away the Heisman after week one, he would have been the uh, clear-cut yeah. runaway winner. Uh, they did not, though. Florida is getting points this year. They are a six-and-a-half-point underdog on the road against a Utah Utes team. This line has kind of been all over the place. For most of the summer, it's been a touchdown. It ballooned to nine at one point, Utah favored. I think it went down to four and a half or five and has settled back around a touchdown. There is a, an in-house wager on this game. Uh, Brian Haydad is all over the Utes with or without Cam Rising. And uh, Michael Borky is all over the Gators. And I look. I'm a Gator guys, hater. When, when you guys made this, this friendly wager with a, a lunch payoff, I would have sided with Haydad. I think I've come all the way around, though, and am on Borky's side of things. Because more and more people are saying that Rising is not playing. The backup quarterback that they had going into camp is out for the year. And their starting tight end is out also in this game. So it feels like that could be an issue for Utah. I think Austin Armstrong and... and some of us in Mississippi know him very well, is going to have a coming-out party. 
I feel like nobody really knows. I mean, I guess, you know, SEC land people kind of know who the coordinators are, but not really. He's an under-the-radar coordinator in the SEC. Is that fair to say? If you ask the, the random yes. college football fan, who who's the D.C. at Florida? Probably can't answer. I feel like after Thursday night, a lot of people are going to know who that guy is. I think that's a fair assessment. You know, the, the, the lasting image that we have in our heads is Florida spring game, where they were so bad, so bad offensively. Now, it was a little bit different in that Austin Armstrong, man, they were bringing the house. Yeah, they were. It, He's they, younger was, than me, by the way. It was <laughs> it was blitz, blitz, blitz from all over the place and bringing multiple guys, and it's like, eh, is that really what you're trying to do in the spring game? And so it left us with a really bad taste in our mouth offensively, not to mention the fact that Graham Mertz is the quarterback for Florida. And that's got four years of bad taste in our mouth offensively, or three, or whatever the number is. And and so maybe the good thing for Utah is if 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 those things equate to Florida not being great offensively, is that Utah might not have to score a bunch of points to win. But I'm not sure that I think Utah is going to score many points either. What's the total in this game? I need to start putting those two uh, in here just to, just to be sure, but. I think it's for some reason I was thinking forty nine, but it may not be. It's it's forty five. That's a very NFL total. Yeah, it is. Kind of like the under. Don't it feels you? right though. Feels right though. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I certainly don't trust Florida to score more than seventeen. That late line movement. Uh, I mean, and the question about rising is, you know, if he plays. How effective can he be? He's a veteran. He's tough. You know, guys like him don't need to practice like some other guys. But still, I mean, fresh off of AC, I say fresh off of nine months removed from ACL surgery, and not having gone through a real practice, even for a veteran like that, uh, he's gotten a lot of mental reps. Gotten a lot of mental reps. You know, like Russell Wilson on the airplane. Yeah, um, I love a mental rep. But. I mean, would it shock you if there's a little rust there, knowing that he's been focusing on rehab and not preparing for a season? No. But that's not to say that he can't do multiple things. Oh, he can't. I mean, he's... Cam Rising is a perfect, like, college football player. Because I don't know what his pro prospects are like. Maybe they're great. Uh, You know, some guys, it just kind of works out where they may not have the strongest arm or whatever. Hello, Brock Purdy. And they find the way in the right situation in their great NFL quarterbacks. But I don't think he's like an NFL quarterback. Not that you think of. He doesn't have all those tools that they love. He's not tall like Josh Allen that can throw the ball 120 yards or whatever. But watching him play football is fun. Cheapest ticket for this uh, game on Thursday night between Florida and Utah on Vivid Seats. $122, and that is for a standing room only ticket. And what are the fees associated with that? Well, I haven't gone that far, and it, you know, probably, probably be almost 200 bucks when you, uh, you are all said and done on that one. So, uh, standing room general admission tickets going for a buck 50 a piece. Uh, if you want a, a reserved seat, then, uh, it's going to cost you upwards of $200, maybe even well upwards of $200. So, going to be should be nuts. a great atmosphere. Great atmosphere for the season opener for Florida and Utah on uh, on Thursday night. No line on Missouri and South Dakota. South Dakota FCS school. Um, perhaps offshore you could find one. Tennessee and Virginia. Tennessee is a big favorite in this game. 
And if you believe in Tennessee, now might be the time to jump on them because there is a developing story at Nissan Stadium in Nashville. We'll tell you what that is that could potentially lead to a change of venue for this game this weekend. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? What? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us. We know that the Tennessee Titans are working toward a new stadium in Nashville, and it's uh, a couple of years away. There was a quote by the, the CEO from the Titans a little over a year ago, and, and this was when they were still advocating for a new stadium pointing out that years of neglect at Nissan Stadium has put it in serious disrepair. It's known as one of the worst stadiums in the NFL, and the Titans estimate bringing the stadium up to standard with the city's lease through 2039 would have cost $1.8 billion. So instead, they decided to build a new stadium for like 4 or $5 billion. You know, just start over. Well, I don't know what to make of this tweet, and I don't know who this person is. Um, Richard West. Ah, uh, you're getting got. Ah, you got got. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a guy. It's a yeah, fake. It's a, it's a troll. Yeah, he uh, he. Fake news. Yeah, oh. literally pretends to be a, a sports <laughs> uh, TV guy. Richard's. Starting today, all of your tweet ideas have to run through me and Borky. Okay. Hey, but you know, he looks li- like it looks real and uh, like it looks legit. He's he's good at the fake news game. And and so but that's often not a real guy. it is just believable enough where you're like, oh wow, okay. And then exactly. you pull up the bio and it's like, ah, got me again. Well, and now, like the whole time you were talking about, it, I was like, I haven't heard anything about this. What is he talking about? And then as soon as you said Richard West, I was like, nope. Okay. Well, and the, the reason that I realized it might be a little fishy was because the picture that he has on Twitter is the same one that the Titans put out or Fox 17 in Nashville put out back in May of 2022. I was like, hold on, something might not be right here. Okay, well, never mind. Yeah. There you go. Did you see uh, so we're, we're a great for you, tease I gave going to the break that was uh, just eh. Eh. I'm impressed, though. Did, did you see like the to beef? point out that I'm the oldest one on this show, but, you know. Grandpa over there getting getting Facebooked over over here. Come on, it's not going to impact the game at all. But Tony Elliott and Tennessee's AD, so Tony Elliott, the head coach of Virginia, and Danny Danny White, White. the AD at Tennessee. I don't know. They didn't get into it, but Tony Elliott in a press conference was, oh, I just have so much respect for that program, all that. But he was asked about being a candidate for the job. And he answered the question as if he was offered the job, said it just wasn't the right time for me uh, to make that move, and I'm happy here or whatever. 
And Danny White took to social media to say, okay, I, I can't keep my mouth shut. Yeah, he's like, the first time this came up, I didn't say anything, but here we are again, and I'm pretty sure you have to be offered a job to be able to accept or turn down a job. Yeah. But he did do the thing where I only offered the job to one person. Okay. Yeah. All right, Danny. Sure, sure oh, you okay. did. But that – interesting. So there's either a miscommunication there or Tony Elliott lied about being offered the Tennessee job in a press conference. Well, and it could be semantics also. I mean, Tony Elliott probably wanted himself to sound good uh, in saying that, you know, just did the Tennessee job, so much respect, what a great program, but, you know, it just wasn't the right time for me. I mean, he very well could have taken his name out of the search, and that's what he meant by saying this wasn't the right time for me. But he, he did not say it that way. He, he said it in yeah. a way that kind of made it sound like he had turned down Tennessee, and um, Danny White, from his perspective, set the record straight on that uh, via via X. So Is that game interesting to you at all? Like, I'm going to watch it because it's... It's Tennessee. Yeah, and Tennessee's it's, a twenty-eight it's point favorite early in the day, and it's two Power Five teams. And again, I'm going to watch, so jokes on me. But there is nothing about this game where it's like ah, I got to see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm interested to see Joe Milton back in the starting lineup as the as, as QB one. You know, we've heard all off season about him. Is he ready to really be the guy? So you know, he needs to get off to a good start. Um. Jerry and Ponatok, ha, 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 Richard is a typical Ole Miss fan. He'll believe anything. Okay. I mean, like, is, that is true this about, the part where I'm supposed to apologize that no. there was a yes. what no. I thought was a news account on Twitter that no. said something about changing the venue of a football game that was four days you, away? You know what that means, though? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay you a compliment. The fact that Haydad and I knew this anonymous Twitter troll by name is an indictment on us and not you. Yes. <laughs> it means we spend too much time I on mean, that website and you don't. So It's, it's, it's not have, like you we, guys didn't know already that I we, spend less time on Twitter than yeah. you. Bork and I were totally in sync, though. As soon as you said it that we were both like, no. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, Jeff, sorry about that. Jeff Abort. said he, had, he, yeah. he texted someone that, had to, uh, uh, that has tickets to the game. Sorry about that. False alarm. Uh. All right, so how about this? Tennessee is a 28-point favorite over Virginia. So Tennessee is a bigger favorite over Virginia in a neutral site game than Kentucky is at home against Ball State. Kentucky a 26-and-a-half-point home favorite against Ball State in the opener. You know, my gambling advice is as good as uh, nothing. I kind of think that Kentucky might flex some offensive muscle, especially in this game with the – New slash old but new offensive coordinator and Devin Leary fully healthy with those weapons. This isn't last year's Kentucky team where they couldn't score on Miami of Ohio. I feel like that they will jump out of the gate fast and kind of show people that, okay, we're legit. And there's a good opportunity for them to do that. I... um found one offshore line on the Ole Miss-Mercer game. Oh. Here's that Ole Miss is a 39-and-a-half-point favorite over Mercer. That's probably about right. I mean, that would that would right. make sense if you were going to uh, if you were going to try to bet that game. No line on Western Carolina and Arkansas, and I didn't care enough to, uh, to try and dig that one out. Catamounts. 
The Catamounts. You know the mascot. Do you know the town? I know the quarterback. Do you really? Yeah. Who's the quarterback? It's Cole Gonzalez. It's Billy Gonzalez's kid. Huh. Some sort. Um, Cullowy is what it's called. Tiny, tiny, tiny little town in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. Did not. Mm. uh, Did not know that. Um, Auburn favored by thirty-five. Against UMass, you can get that him at thirty-seven like a and a half. Number, you should, isn't it? I got him yesterday at thirty-seven and a half at the Golden Moon. Hmm. So, yeah, that is a big number. Like we said, I mean, thirty-seven and a half means forty-two-seven Auburn is a cover. So yeah, that's a big number for a team that went you know five and seven last year, and it doesn't exactly have explosive playmakers all over the field. Did you see? Uh, you know. I say stupid things all the time, but where well, Luganville on our friends at the next round, he was on their show, and after UMass wins a game by, by two scores, so UMass won a football game against another FCS, FBS team by two scores on the road, said that if UMass doesn't have the worst roster in college football, it's Colorado. I thought... First of all, UMass just beat somebody by two scores, man. Like, lined up and beat them. So clearly they don't have the worst roster in college football. And two, I promise you, even if their offensive line and defensive line is suspect, Colorado didn't have the worst one either. I I promise you. I thought that was such a weird thing to say after watching UMass win a game by two scores. Yeah. uh, I mean, the roster for UMass is based on... 1-11, 1-11, 0-4, 1-11, one and eleven, one and eleven, zero and four, one and eleven. I think over the last four seasons, but but they did win on the road by two scores. Yeah, uh, against a pretty bad team. Now you could perhaps make the argument that that bad team might have a worse roster um, in New Mexico State. I I don't know. Um, the Colorado thing. I think Deion Sanders chimed in on that too. Wait, didn't that was he? a bowl team that they beat on the road last year. New Mexico, oh, New Mexico, not New Mexico State. Yeah, they beat uh, they beat New Mexico State, who was a bowl team last year, on the road by two scores, and still has the worst roster in the sport. Come on. Yeah. Okay. New Mexico is getting thirty eight at Texas A and M. Big number. Oh, are you ready? I promise it's going to go down just like this. Texas A and M is going to beat New Mexico. By about that number. And that Monday, we're going to hear about, oh, the new Bobby Petrino offense is humming and Wiegman is great. And the overreaction we're going to get from that game and the Auburn game is going to be unlike anything we've seen in recent years in the SEC. The overreaction from those two results. No. No overreaction from Auburn. It's going to be nice and tight. An A&M oh, game yeah. like, like 52 to 10? Yeah, something like that. Maybe? Yeah. And then it's, either, it's either that or it's like 24 to 14. And we all come back on Monday and we're like, uh, uh-oh. Luke Johnson joins us on the Farm Bureau guest line coming up next. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Check this out. Sports Talk Mississippi, Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi Tuesday afternoon, the 29th of August. Thanks for being with us. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Luke Johnson joins us to talk some Southern Miss Golden Eagles football as uh, Southern Miss opens at home on Saturday against Alcorn State. What kind of crowds are going to be on uh, on Saturday for the opener. This should be pretty good, shouldn't it? Yeah, it, it always is. Whenever SWAC teams come to the Rock Course, they travel well inside the state. And it's a night kickoff, um, which which helps. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think if you get north of 25, of course, you know, they're all wanting to, to pack the Rock. And I, I think it's – you come back to the two-lane game uh, in two weeks, which is an afternoon kickoff, uh, and you really hope that this one is attended well. Um, because you, you feel like that one should be Tulane being a top 25 team. So yeah, I mean, anything north of 25, I think that's what you're, what, uh, would, would be positive. Would be a, uh, a good start to the year. So, uh, you guys had Will Hall on the Eagle Hour. Uh, was that today or yesterday? Yesterday. Yesterday. Um, just kind of some final thoughts from him as, uh, as you get ready for the start of the season. Was there any, any big takeaway for you? Um, you know, they, they released the final depth chart. He came on right before that happened. And, you know, he just kind of spoke at length about how satisfied they are at depth. Um, not much changed with, with the depth chart, but I mean, we talked at length with him about the secondary. Uh, one guy shoot in Quez McNeil at the, at the field corner. Uh, the safeties with Jay Stanley and, and Dylan Lawrence. And then he hasn't announced the boundary corner yet, the MJ Daniels or Michael Carraway. The reason I bring that up. Is Quez McNeil is the only, uh, starter or potential starter that is under six feet. Um, when you look at the height they have in this secondary, Stanley 6'2 at the safety, Dylan Lawrence is 6'4. He's listed at 6'4. And whether MJ Daniels or Michael Carraway start at the boundary corner, both of those guys are six foot two. And they just feel really good uh, about a secondary, um, that lost multiple starters. Um, Brandon Hayes on the offensive side has jumped Frog Jones uh, to, to start a receiver. He's a guy that was dinged up last year, and he's a guy that Will Hall said with all the injuries, that was the one that nobody really talked about. Hayes was out of Oak Grove, and he's, he's a speedster. That's what, Fro- that's what Latrell Frog Jones is as well. Um, but but Hayes should be starting. And then, of course, uh, the infamous superback listed on there. We know it was going to be listed. And uh, not just for, for, for teams to prep for that, but I think there will be, maybe not in this game, but I think there will be times this year where you'll see the Superback. All right. Um, we talked about quarterback last week, obviously, with the uh, the announcement that it's going to be Billy Wiles. And, uh, you know, with – I wonder how things change after that announcement happens. And, and I don't mean in terms of relationships, but if you've been in a battle, Luke, for a job, and, and it's like truly a battle, not just one of those where a coach says it's a battle and everybody else knows what's going to happen, but you are truly competing for a job. If there is a, a boost of confidence and like a, a big exhale, and it's like, okay, now it's time to go get ready for the season. I just wonder what maybe the last week or so has been like for Billy Wiles after that announcement from uh, from his head coach. Yeah, Bob talked to Billy at practice today, and Billy just – you know, wasn't anxious, wasn't nervous. He was just kind of, okay, let's go and, and get it. And that's kind of where he's been since he was announced as the starter. Um, I do think, kind of follow up, because we talked about this today, I do think Holman Edwards is going to play in this game. 
uh, particularly, you know, if, if the first half goes, um, very well. And so, you know, it's one of those things. At what point do you take Wiles out for protection, but to take Wiles out and, and let Edwards get game reps? Because I mean, this is not a, a shot at Alcorn State, but you're, in, in theory, your scrimmages, you've been facing better, a better defense than what you're going to face Saturday. I mean, you've been facing an FBS defense. Saturday, you're facing an FCS defense. So the, obviously the, the thing that changes is it counts now. So, so how does Wiles and the first team offense, you know, how do they, uh, what do they do when it counts? But I do think, I do think Edwards will play in this game. And I, I think that, that will allow, um, the reps, you know, that are needed uh, that we, you know, from situations we've seen the last few years. If you'll allow me to forecast just for a second, that there is a scenario, and and this is probably a bad idea in today's college football because you see transfers come and go and you don't know about health and football is a violent game and all of those things. But we did this with Will Rogers a couple of years ago. There's a scenario where Billy Wiles, who's playing as a redshirt sophomore, after winning this job – could be a three-year starter at Southern Miss if if things go well and he wants to stay that long and Southern Miss wants him there that long and, and all those things. It would be crazy, right, to to look up and you know three years from now or two the beginning of two seasons from now. Here you got Billy Wiles once again potentially as the starter. Yeah, I mean, because you look back, I mean, Southern Miss has basically had you got to go back to Jack Abraham where you had the same starter, you know. Uh, multiple years in a row. Um, and that would be, I think, huge for this offense. And, um, you know, I, I, I kind of asked Will not to, you know, show his cards on air, but at the same time, like, what are we going to see different? And I do think that there is a coolness, a calm about Will this year when talking about, like, execution and what they're going to put on the field offensively that he feels just completely different. And I think all that goes to he knew he knows that he has a quarterback that can run this system for multiple years. Um what if if they get, you know, tracking, you know, you gotta start asking the question, you know, is is Hall here in three years if if Billy Wiles has a great year this year and uh, a good year next year. That's what you have to deal with. I mean and that's just it's not just players. It's what you're dealing with with the with the reality of uh, of the landscape. Story from uh, about 15 minutes ago on the uh, the New York Jets website that uh, has got a little bit of a video interview with Jason Brownlee, former Golden Eagle who has officially made the team, says the first person he called after he made the team was his mom, and he has a smile on his face. I mean, he is grinning ear to ear. What a cool story. Great story. Um, I, was, I was reading today more about him, of course. Didn't really have any offers coming out of uh, high school. Went to, to East Mississippi. Hey, Dad should be proud. It's a Golden Triangle kid up there. And, uh, yeah. you know, goes to East and uh, and then uh, comes to Southern Miss, undrafted free agent. And then, you know, there was talks where the Jets were kind of looking at him in, like, the mid-rounds and just kind of held their breath. And But uh, he was, you know, one of the top dynamic players on offense in, in camp. And, uh, you know, I think he kind of let him in receiving in the preseason as well. I think he's got a chance if, if he gets on the field, um, to, to, to move quick. It could be like a guy like Quez Watkins where you see him in year two or year three, like starting, you know, and he, cause he will be a great number two receiver if he gets the opportunity. Doesn't drop passes, 
is shifty enough to make people miss. And uh, pr- pretty cool how undrafted free agent. Eagles also have Natron Brooks with a, the Falcons, another undrafted free agent. He's got a chance to make the 53-man as well. You know, I just wonder about the situation in New York also where – that there was no preconceived notion for, for Aaron Rodgers, right? He had, I mean, obviously Randall Cobb's there, and there's a long relationship. You know Randall Cobb's getting the football. But if you're a young guy and you come in and you pick up on things and you catch the ball and you do all the stuff you're supposed to do, I don't know that there's any reason to think that Jason Brownlee can't earn the trust, even though he is a rookie that was an undrafted free agent of an Aaron Rodgers because you don't have existing relationships that you're necessarily trying to overcome. It's clean slate. And one thing, if we know about Brownlee from his time at Southern Miss, I mean, he's like a magnetic field for the football. He would win most 50-50 balls. And just for him, it's just I think it's about staying healthy and just taking advantage of the situations where it comes. I mean, they are deep at receiver. And that was one of the things, as good as he had been, would he make the 53-man because of how deep they were. And he's made it today. Just just really cool. Any time a player in the state of Mississippi makes it, you know, to a 53-man. But the fact that he was an undrafted free agent is, is just all the more cool. It's exceptional. There, There is no question. Uh, a little strange that we don't have junior college football this Thursday night. They're starting a week later this year, so we'll have to wait on uh, on that for uh, for Jones. But you're on the call for the, uh, what, the 104th battle of the uh, Little Brown Jug? Yeah, Friday night between the bricks. Hattiesburg comes to Laurel. Hattiesburg won it last year, so Laurel's trying to win it back. And, uh, yeah, we'll be broadcasting on WLAU 99.3. Should be fun. Uh, that game's always fun when you look at the history of it. They just redid the Laurel Fieldhouse and touched up the memorabilia room. And so you go in there, you see all the Big 8 trophies. They've actually now got a framed Seattle Seahawks jersey from Charles Cross. So uh, pretty pretty incredible. That is uh, That is very cool. Did I get the number right? Is it 104? Are you, you still have it's, some research you've got to do? It, it floats occasionally because somebody, you have to go back and count. There's like, you know, they played it during World War II and World War. So anyway, it just gets confusing. When, when we, when we hear your, your other option would be World War One, by the way, there, there, we've only had two of those. We won both. I'm fully aware of that. Yes, yes. Thankfully, did not finish in second place in either of those. Uh, all right, Luke, always good to catch up. Enjoy the uh, the rest of your week, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you later on. Thanks, Richard. Luke Johnson from the Super Talk Eagle Hour joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll finish up the lines for the uh, SEC games that are happening this week when we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Mm, From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon. Had a couple of games left in the uh, the SEC games that have lines on them. We talked about New Mexico and Texas A&M with A&M a 38-point favorite. No line on Alabama, A&M, and Vanderbilt. I, I did. I, I kind of joked with you guys 
earlier today that uh, I would do my best to bring some nugget to you to the show today about Alabama A&M. I have one for you. Yeah. Um, their head coach was, uh, he's, a, he's a bit of a movie star. That's actually stretching it a little bit, but he has been in two movies. Connell, uh, Connell Maynor is his name, and he was the stunt double quarterback in any given Sunday, and he was the quarterback that got laid out in Remember the Titans that paved the way for Sunshine to come into the game. He said you never saw his face in that one because he was 30 at the time, and obviously it was a movie about a high school football team, and so yeah, his face never showed up in that one, but uh, it's kind of cool. A couple of movie credits there. I asked her, I was like, I bet you get fired up every time you see one of those movies that runs on television and, you know, there's more royalty money coming. He's like, eh, that stopped about 10 years ago. He's like, I think every network has bought the rights to it. <laughs> it's like, you used to get excited. It's like, hey, it's on TBS. It hasn't been on TBS before. There'll be a little check coming in the mail. Um, but everybody's played them now. So that's the that's the nugget that I have for you for Alabama A and M as Vanderbilt looks to go to two and zero at home on Saturday night. Um, Bama's favored by thirty eight over Middle Tennessee. It's probably a name your score game for Alabama. Well, and unless what are they doing with the quarterbacks? What's your guess? Well, who, who do you think starting? Melrow. Why does everybody think, like, I kind of feel the same way, but why is it that everybody thinks that? It's not like there's much that is leaked out of camp. No. Uh, But that's all I'm basically. He's the most experienced guy. He's the most experienced guy. Can run a little bit, more than a little bit, a lot of it. Um, Yeah. But it's different there than a lot of places that play coy with quarterbacks. I'm starting to wonder if Nick Saban truly doesn't know. Because Ryan Day played the I didn't know card and Kyle McCord won the job. The guy that everybody expected to win the job, right? If Jackson Dart runs out on the field first on Saturday, well, that was obvious. Everybody kind of knew that was that was going to happen. I mean, maybe Saban has successfully done the same thing, but all of the reporting out of there is like, there's really not a leader here. Like, they really haven't been able to figure out who's taken the reins of this deal. That's interesting. You got one week to figure it out. It it also could mean that they've got three really good options. It could, but didn't you watch the spring game? Yeah, yeah, it was it was not great. And and also Notre Dame last year? Look, here here's the thing though about Milro. He's as, he is the most athletic of the bunch. If he is able to become an adequate, effective passer, then maybe it's a no-brainer because his athletic ability is off the chart. The, the plays that he can make with his feet, really, really good. Um, You know, the Buckner thing's weird. The Ty Simpson thing is... He was so highly thought of 
coming out of high school. And I think there are probably some people that if he doesn't end up winning the job are kind of going to be surprised that it just hasn't quite worked out the way it needed to. We'll see, though. That, that, and look, maybe they play three. Maybe they run three different guys out there against Middle Tennessee. That would be very un-Nick Saban-like, but uh, we'll see. He's got to figure it out because you know who comes to town a week later. I think the game of the day on Saturday is in Charlotte. Yeah. With North Carolina and South Carolina. North Carolina as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. New offensive coordinators for both teams, right? Didn't, didn't South Carolina get a new offensive coordinator in the offseason? Yeah. So, so yeah, yes. Spencer Rattler finished the season the way he did a year ago. And you got a lot of momentum, but there's a new coordinator that has come in. And you've got Drake May, whose supposed best wide receiver target has not been cleared by the NCAA, and it does not appear that that's going to happen. North Carolina is still trying to appeal that and get a get a change. Um, and a new offensive coordinator at North Carolina with, with Phil Longo gone. Carolina, I think I said just a second ago, favored by two and a half. So how do those stories play out? But, man, surely they're going to fill it up for that one. Oh, yeah, and they're coming to your city. You see Darius Rucker in part, they're just, they claim, we'll see it on Saturday, that they're just re-recording the song with different voices. I hope that's the case. All right. And then LSU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite over Florida State on Sunday. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Back in the Pearl River Resort studio, pearlriverresort.com. That's where you go to find out all of the things that are happening at Pearl River Resort. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Callum McAndrew joins us right now. He covers the Missouri Tigers for the Columbia Tribune. And uh, Callum, we appreciate a few minutes of your time this afternoon. Hey, thank you for having me on. Good to be up. So this Missouri team, not really tested right out of the gate. We get the first look uh, this coming weekend. But they're an interesting team. Uh, South Dakota coming in this weekend. And it feels like there are not a lot of people, maybe outside of the Columbia area, that are really high on Missouri. And yet, based on what I've kind of read and heard out of camp, it feels like the people with inside the program feel like this has a chance to be a pretty good team. Is that a reasonable summation to start? Well, I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's always going to be sort of the case with Missouri is that, you know, not a lot of people are, are, are paying attention to them in, in the early weeks of August. Um, you know, their recent records haven't uh, given anyone any reason to really. Um, but, you know, you, you look at certain areas I think is where this coaching staff and, and, and pe- local people are a little bit more confident, have a little bit more cautious optimism about how good this team can be. You look on the defense where they're returning eight of their 11 starters, a few preseason all-SEC guys, some real studs like linebacker Tyron Hopper, some really good defensive tackles in there. 
Uh, and then you look, you know, you turn it to the offense, which was a little bit weak last year, but you've got a second year guy in Luther Burden who had a pretty good freshman campaign and now he's moving over to the slot. So he should see a little more action and guys like Theo Weese who came over from Oklahoma, a big body at the X receiver. So I think more than anything, there's a little bit of just cautious optimism. There's a little bit more depth to this Missouri team. Of course, there's, there's still some questions at, at, at some key positions, but I, I think more than perhaps in the last couple of years, there's, there's just a little bit more reason for optimism here, uh, this year, and I think that's that's what what you're maybe seeing in Columbia. Callum, I'm I'm kind of going out on a limb here. I don't think you grew up in Mississippi, did you? No, no, no not Mississippi, not Missouri either. We'll give it away. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. So, so how did a guy uh, like you? You're, you're from Scotland, right? That's right. Yeah. How, how did you end up covering college football? What's the story <laughs> here? It's fascinating to me. So, so I was uh, I was the nation's most mediocre college golfer. I moved to North Carolina when I was eighteen, and then you know I'd watch the NFL and stuff uh, uh, when I was when I was back in in Scotland, especially when they moved those games over to Wembley. Got here and realized that I like college football way more. Uh, it reminds me a lot more of of you know soccer back home. It's a lot more community based and a lot more a lot more small town stuff, and people from their their local towns going to support their teams. So fell in love with that aspect and uh, didn't really look back. Very cool. Very uh, cool story. What is what is the, the right expectation for this year's Missouri Tigers? Oh, that's that, that's a tough question. Um, you know, it's that, the the biggest thing is that there has to be tangible progress. You know, okay. So years one, two, and three under Eli Drinkwitz, they, they're yet to break five hundred. They're yet to win a bowl game. For all the 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 the, the talent that they've brought in in recruiting classes for all the you know the hope and optimism in, in previous years they're still to break that threshold so this year more than anything there has to has to has to be a sign of progress whether that's seven and five whether that's eight and four you know eight and four great seven and five did they you know did they squeak out a couple of games that that you know they maybe would have lost in the past there has to be something that gives reason that fans a reason to buy in this year a little bit more than the past three years otherwise patience is going to start wearing real thin real quick um i think that's reasonable expectation for me especially with i think missouri's schedule is in the top 10 hardest in the fps at the moment i think a reasonable expectation is to to go seven and five get a winning record under your belt get a decent bowl game and take it from there um, I think a lot of people would, would like to see better, but I'm not sure if that's reasonable this season, at least. So, so Callum, does the schedule allow for that? When, when you've got Kansas State as one of the, the non-conference right. games, the team that, that won the Big 12 a year ago, it is at home. But, I mean, K-State thumped Missouri a year ago in Manhattan, and then the the kind of rotating crossover opponent from the West is, is LSU. And, again, both of those I, are at home, but still two pretty good teams. Absolutely. I mean, if you're if you're giving them the first couple of games, you know, you've got South Dakota this Thursday, and you've got uh, Mitsu on uh, on September 9th, I believe. Um, it, it starts to get pretty tough pretty quick. You know, you're looking at Kansas State, which is absolutely no gimme. It's not the same Kansas State as last year. You know, no Adrian Martinez, no Deuce Vaughn, which were kind of the guys that really ran Mizzou ragged last year on offense. Yeah. But you know, it, it, bring that game to Columbia, and I think it'll be a lot closer. Memphis and St. Louis after that, that's no pushover there. Then you've got Vandy on the road. Vandy, last week, you know, the exception. I mean, they're a different team than they've been in the past few years. 
it, it, it is absolutely not an easy schedule, but I think, you, you know, you look at, they have to be, especially in year four of under a, a head coach, you've got to be beating the likes of Florida, which is kind of in disarray. You've got to be beating the likes of South Carolina at home. You, you have you have to be getting past that 500 mark at some point, otherwise it's not going to last. So I think those 50-50 games, those games that you look at and kind of put a question mark over, some of them have to start going Mizzou's, Mizzou's way at some point, um, otherwise this, this regime isn't going to last. So Brady Cook, I would say yeah. good but not great. I mean, he was, you know, completed 65% last year, but he's under 3,000 yards. Uh, what, what's the next step for Brady Cook in his second full season as a starter? Well, the next step is still winning that quarterback battle. Um, you know, Eli Drinkwitz and his new offensive coordinator have uh, Brady and the redshirt freshman out of Georgia that, that came in pretty highly touted. They're going to split reps in at least this first game. I think it's somewhat expected that they'll maybe do that through two games. So he's, he's still going to win the, the, the competition this year. Um, they're taking it into the season. They couldn't you know, get it sorted by the end of training camp there. Um, and that, that's Sam Horn Brady that we're talking about, right? Sorry, yes, I should have said, yep, Sam Horn okay. is, is who we're talking about there. Um, yeah, I mean, Brady, you looked at him at toward the end of last season. He had a torn labrum in his shoulder, and he, he, he performed better down the stretch, it seemed, especially when Drinkwitz stopped calling plays and handed that over to, to his quarterback's coach at the time. Um, he, you know, he runs hard. He's, he, he's Mizzou or die. But, you know, like you say, you have to get, you know kind of what the feeling is there, and I think he has to raise that a little bit this year if he wants to keep the job or at least not keep splitting reps moving forward in the season. So so you believe Eli Drinkwitz when he says it is still a competition and they have not necessarily decided who the guy is? I, I do believe that, yes. Yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad for Missouri fans. <laughs> Uh, it, it, you know, you can you can sell me on either. Um, I think Thursday will be pretty telling to see how it works because, you know, they've been pretty pretty stum on how that's going to work in game. We've not heard if it's going to be one half Brady, one half Sam. We've not heard if it's going to be quarter by quarter or drive by drive. I think it's it's they say they have a plan. I guess we'll see what that is on Thursday. Um, uh, you know, I think if you had a guy that you were incredibly confident in, you would probably have picked him by now. But I can also see. Maybe if that guy is Sam Horn, when you've got a guy that's, you know, bled black and gold for a little while, not just wanting to throw him out in training camp and really letting the fans, hey, see, Sam Horn's the, the better player here, if that's the case, you know, throwing them into that game. is, I, I think, like you say, it, it could be bad. It could be that they don't really have confidence in either. It could also be that they're willing to just let see, let live reps tell, tell all. Yeah. That makes sense. All right, last thing for you, Callum, and this is kind of going back to the off season. We've seen some crazy contracts in the SEC, none more so than Jimbo Fisher and what he's got at Texas A&M. And when he got that deal, we all kind of threw up our hands. We're like, why? Who were they bidding against? I feel like that's the exact same thing with the contract extension that and the raise that Drinkowitz got. Why did Missouri feel the need to do that when they did? Um, that's, I think if, you know when you, you kind of dig into that contract, it's, it's a little bit more complicated than just securing the future of this guy. You know, there's a, there's a few stipulations in there that you know uh, buyouts wise that that made sense for them to to do it at that time. Um, I think mostly it's the you know having that just a little bit more security around the program, at least you know to the end of 2025. I think it is. 
Um, you know, he's, he's brought in good recruiting classes. I think you have to give him the chance to to let the the Barry Odom stink that was that was still lingering around a little bit. You have to let that wash off for a little while. But I, I, I don't know how much longer that will last if it keeps going the way it is. Um, contracts in college football, then uh, that's a uh, that's any man's guess. I don't know. We've, we've kind of all lost the plot on that front of it. <laughs> Callum, it is uh, it has been a pleasure. I will say that if uh, if you were Scotland's most mediocre golfer, then you and I would uh, would have have fun together. If you're ever in Mississippi and uh, you want to tee it up, <laughs> let's do it, my man. Oh, sounds good to me. Absolutely. S- sounds great. Thanks so much for your time. We'll catch up with you down the line. Thank you. That's uh, Callum McAndrew from the Columbia Tribune. Joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Uh, Smitty says, this guy sounds like the highway patrolman from the movie Bridesmaids. Dan in Hattiesburg says, maybe the most interesting interview you ever had, and I don't even know what he said. I added that part. <laughs> and uh, CC said, oh, heck, I thought you guys were talking to Rory McElroy. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. With you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk is brought to you in part by M Trade Park. You can find them online at mtradepark.com. Busy weekends coming up, whether it's baseball tournaments, softball tournaments, or soccer tournaments, not to mention all the local park commission events that are uh, are happening. M Trade Park is busy and bustling. Make sure that your team is part of the great weekends of tournaments that are coming up, whether it is baseball or fast pitch or soccer, you can see the full schedule of events at mtradepark.com on the events page, and you can register there as well. Great facility, great playing surfaces, fantastic staff. I want you to come in and get settled, be part of uh, all of the craziness, good craziness that is happening in and around Oxford throughout the fall. You can learn more about them online at mtradepark.com. If you're going to play, play mtrade. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. The slate of games this week, actually, let's go back and talk about Missouri for a second. I think it had just slipped my mind that Brady Cook had not outright won the starting job this year. I think as we've talked about starting quarterbacks in the SEC, we've kind of all assumed that it's Brady Cook's job. Um, Eli Drinkwitz not necessarily on the same page with us. I'd forgotten about the Georgia transfer that is in there. What does that say to you? So, So we talk about the quarterback battle at Alabama that we think is real. We've talked about the quarterback battle at Ole Miss that we believe, I think, all that Jackson Dart is the winner of, even though they're not saying that. I feel like the quarterback battle at Missouri has really flown under the radar. Maybe Missouri flies under the radar. What does that say to you, though, when you've got a returning starter who is reasonably productive and he's in a battle for his job? 
It's interesting because you know Brady Cook has been a decent quarterback, like you said, the pat you know or last season. I thought he was he was good, and he showed you enough that you were like, okay, this is a guy who can continue to get better. But they went out and got a couple of guys there in, in the transfer portal, and you know they've, they've recruited guys, and it it has been you know I don't I feel like it's going to end up being Brady Cook, but. He's certainly not a lock. I mean, I feel more. I feel more confident that than Jalen Milrow will be the starting quarterback at Alabama than I do about Brady Cook. Sometimes, just because of you know the little bit that I've read on the Missouri quarterback battle, it does seem like it's very even. It, it, an interesting dynamic has been created uh, now because of the transfer portal. It is the most important position on the field, and teams don't have to be stuck anymore if a guy does not take a step forward. I know the stats say that Matt Corral uh, 2020 was better than 2021, but we all have eyes. He took a huge step forward in 2021. And a lot of people are trying to draw those same comparisons between then and Jackson Dart. And, you know, it's possible. He's he's a year older. It was a weird situation last year with joining the team in February and, and all that. So if he does take a step forward, very good. That's a good thing when you're better at quarterback. But what if he doesn't? If Jackson Dart does not improve at all and he's the same guy as last year, you're not going to win the games that you think you should win. And so because of the portal, you can now... You don't have to settle for mediocre anymore if you can go get better. And if your guy improves, great. If Jackson Dart has gotten better and Spencer Sanders comes in and he beats him beats him out, that's a very good thing. Spencer Sanders is a four-year starter. What is it? 41 starts in his career. He's got turnover issues. That, that That's something that is in his past, basically all four years as a starter. But still, if he comes to Ole Miss and he doesn't win the job, it means you got better at the most important position on the field. But if yeah. Dart didn't improve at all, you still got better at the most important position on the field. It is now something that you can do. And so, you know, maybe... Maybe he cooks the guy and he he fights him off and and, and that's great, but it, I think sometimes people are still reading too far into moves like that. Why, why would they bring in a portal quarterback? They've got one. Well, the one's got to be better, and if he's not, they're going to underachieve. If Jackson Dart doesn't improve at all, then Ole Miss would underachieve in in twenty twenty three. They would. But Maybe if he Lane doesn't Kiffin improve, that's what Sanders the is truth. there for. Yeah, maybe Lane Kiffin's been telling us the truth all the way, you know, all the way through. Hey, with every other position on our team, we try to get better through the portal and recruiting. Why would we treat quarterback any different? That's something that fans don't get. That just be, you know, they they don't have, they have no problem changing route running backs, right? They have no problem changing out offensive linemen or, or wide receivers, but when you change the quarterback out, it becomes like this huge deal. You know, when quarterbacks play poorly, you need to make changes. And if they don't practice as well, if somebody's better in practice than them, you have to be willing to do that. And so I give Kiffin credit for that, that he's, you know, at least willing to say, hey, nothing, you know, every position, we talk about position battles all the time. There's a position battle every year. Will Rogers did have to beat out Mike Wright. If Will Rogers had gone to camp and been really poor and thrown a bunch of interceptions, he wouldn't be starting on Saturday. And that's, that's, that's how you have to look at these things. And if, I mean, if Will Rogers goes a few weeks, let's pretend it starts in week two with Arizona. I don't think this is going to happen. Just a hypothetical. He throws three interceptions and a loss. And then they turn around and get smoked by LSU, and he plays poorly again. 
You think that they're not going to consider changing things up offensively and, and letting Mike Wright have a shot if they're losing games because of quarterback? Yeah. They, they, yeah. they, they absolutely exactly. would. Uh, lose a couple of games because of quarterback play and, and tell me that Mississippi State wouldn't consider making a change. They would. And, and the coach that probably has the biggest reputation for doing that, I'm not sure he actually did it as much as people credit him with doing it, but it's Steve Spurrier. Yeah. I mean, especially in the early 90s at Florida. I mean, he'd yank guys in and out, in and out, in and out. He treated it like any other position on the field. And to your point, hey, Ed, about, you know, we fans, et cetera, sometimes have trouble with that. It's also different because every other one of those positions you mentioned rotates. Running back does yeah. not take every snap. Offensive lineman rarely plays every snap of every game. There's a, you know, you got seven guys that you, you rotate through. Wide receivers rotate out of the game. I mean, outside of, uh, you, you'll have kickers. You might have a, a short range kicker and a long range kicker. You might have a traditional punter and a rugby punter. You know, you use two different types of guys on kickoff. So almost every position kind of goes through that. But then we go, well, you know, with quarterback, Lou Holtz said if you've, if you got two quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback. Well, that one's, but it is. It, it is a unique position on the field. So we'll see where it goes with Missouri. Man, hearing what Callum said about needing to take a step forward, and I think we all agree with that, right? I mean, even if it's just seven and five in the regular season, feels like Missouri needs to do that. But can they do it with this schedule? Okay, so they beat South Dakota. Did, did he say Mitsu? Middle Tennessee, MTSU? I've never heard it called Mitsu he before. Did, but yeah. He did. I love it. Uh, if you give them two wins in those first two, okay, what happens with Kansas State? That's kind of your first litmus test for Missouri this year. They should beat Memphis and St. Louis. They should win at Vanderbilt. LSU will be a, a favorite in Columbia. That road trip to Kentucky and the home game against South Carolina on October 14th and October 21st kind of feel like that tells the story of Missouri's season right there. Those two weeks. Because after that, they get an open date, and then they go to Georgia, and they host Tennessee, and they host Florida, and then they go to Arkansas. They've had pretty good success against Arkansas. Is Florida going to be competent by then, or is Florida going to be dead by then? That's a good question. There, there are a lot of questions around the SEC that we just don't know yet. So, well, I have great news. They're going to start playing games on Saturday, and we're going to get to find out the answers, and it's going to be fun. Hey, one of the teams we got a bunch of questions with, we don't have to wait for Saturday. We'll get it on Thursday night with the Gators. You're right, baby. I can't wait. Get it on Thursday night with the Gators. Hey, a couple of other games outside the – sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, I, I, you know, I don't really want to miss any of that game. So I think after the remote, I'm just gonna go over to your house and, and hang out there and uh, <laughs> order a pizza and watch the game, and I'll go home after. You are more than welcome to go sit in my office. I mean, I don't know that you might be yeah. in the way with Jane handling bedtime and whatever else is going on, but no, know, I'll be in the office then. Yeah, you got two TVs in there. Office. I can watch there a lot. Two TVs in yeah. there. You can put both games on and just help yourself. <laughs> the, the best part is, don't tell Jane I'm coming. Just just leave the door unlocked in the office, and let's just see what happens. 
might need to give her a heads it's up. Like, it's is somebody out there? That actually would be kind of funny. And she opens the door, you just pizza walk guy. in. Hey, Jane. Yeah, <laughs> just, p- p- pizza guy shows up and like, I got a... <laughs> She's like, I didn't order pizza. So I deliver to the office? <sighs> I feel like I should give her a heads up just in case you actually decide to go through with this. You're more than welcome to. More than welcome. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. We'll be right back. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Super Talk Mississippi station. Only because I've been trying to do this for 30 minutes, but here we go. Michigan is a 36-point favorite against East Carolina without Jim Harbaugh. Which one is the uh, interim head coach for the first game? Can't, it doesn't matter. Um, TCU favored by just shy of three touchdowns, a 20-and-a-half-point favorite over the Colorado, uh, Colorado Buffaloes. You laying 21 with TCU? No. Too many questions about TCU, and I don't know what Colorado even is. They, they, the, the team that existed last year for Colorado does not exist anymore. You're, you're just going to watch this one, right? I'm going to watch, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about it next week, and we'll see which way I want to go with both teams. Yeah, same can largely be said about TCU as well. So uh, a lot of a lot of new. You would expect a really good environment as well there. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, last time we saw TCU, yeah. they were playing for a national championship. Whether They've Borky got... wants to believe it or not. Sort of yeah. playing for a, a national they, championship. They were there. They played yeah, for a national championship. They had the patches on their jerseys and everything. Ohio State, a 30-point favorite on the road against Indiana. And named That's their starter. Right there. They was, did name their starter today. What was the guy that it was always going to be the whole time? So Ryan Day kind of yeah. did the little... Uh, a little trickeration oh, oh, there. Ohio State named their starter. Indiana did not name the starter or their punter. Kicker. No, their kicker. No, no. Okay. Changes everything. That is going to have to wait to find out when they when they kick. You think Ryan Day's sleeping tonight, not knowing who Indiana's kicker is going to be? Oh, I mean the the extra hours. Wouldn't that it be have funny? Wouldn't it be funny if Ohio State wins the toss, elects to receive? I'm sorry, elects to kick off, and then. You know they don't they don't give up any points in the first half. We had to wait till the third quarter to find out who Indiana's <laughs> kicker is. Uh, At that point, Washington. I want the halftime report. I want whoever's on the sideline reporter to come down there, like Coach. Tough first half. You're behind thirty-one nothing here in the first half. Uh, who's your kicker? You still haven't announced who your uh, kicker is. Uh, we'll have to see him for the first. Who, who half. are we going to see here on the first if, play of the? What if Tom uh, Allen was like, well? We'll all find out together in just a couple of minutes. <laughs> About 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, Washington favored by 14 and a half at home against Boise State. Now that game's got a little bit of, ju- a little bit of juice there. That's yeah. a under the, under the radar week one game that has some, uh, some panache to it. It does. It does. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, you get Penn State favored by 20 and a half against West Virginia at home. I, I, I thought keep about saying that one. this. 
people are in love with this Penn State team. And not Penn State people. They really are. And West Virginia should be not good. Yeah. I really yeah. thought Neil Brown was going to do well there. I, I, that's one that I'm surprised by. Like, between him and Justin Fuente, what's going on in that region of the country that's killing off promising coaches? Not exactly. just turned into really hard jobs. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we, maybe we, maybe we underestimated Frank Beamer. That yeah, was just a really, really good football coach, and, you know, now that he's gone, you're sort of seeing how, how good he was. And there was an expose in The Athletic about just how far behind Virginia Tech is in terms of committing to football. It was pretty eye-opening. Uh, if they're going to join the SEC, buddy, they are going to have a Rutgers-level transition to the SEC. Not anywhere close to actually like investing in the way an SEC team should. I mean, UCF is more engaged in winning in football than Virginia Tech is. And that's not a knock on UCF. They're just now getting into the Big 12. And, and Virginia Tech has been a brand in college football for a long time. UCF appears to have its ducks in a row yeah. in terms of NIL and commitment to success. And the university is kind of kind of transitioned to adulthood over the uh, over the last few years. Got a strong not, brand, man. They do. They, they do. And, you know, make fun of Danny White as much as you want. People talked about UCF a lot, laughed at them a lot, but talked about them a lot for claiming a national championship that they didn't get a trophy for. That was a great PR move. That's great. And they didn't lose a game that season. They did not. They went undefeated. They did not lose a football game uh, led by Scott Frost, which is uh, just just kind of mind-blowing that that happened. And perhaps also the reminder that the grass isn't always greener, that sometimes now, – now, I know, look, alma mater, traditional power that hasn't been good in a long time, felt like he could go in and resurrect it. I get it, but Scott Frost was in a good place at a rapidly growing school. And look, I, don't, I didn't need Mike Bianchi to tell me that they should be part of the SEC and Ole Miss and Mississippi State should get kicked out or, or whatever else. But credit to UCF, they have done the things that they need to do to put themselves to take advantage of conference realignment and expansion. Yeah. If UCF had just kind of stood still, they'd have been like, nah, they're fine. And they're, they're just a they're a regional university in Florida and a state that's got a bunch of regional universities. But they're not that anymore. And, they, and they they are not. Talent-rich state. You mentioned, bring it full circle, why West Virginia is struggling. I mean, they're now in a conference that features teams from Texas. Handful of them. You know, it's different when you're playing Syracuse and Boston College more often than you're playing, you know, Baylor and TCU and Texas Tech. And those aren't, like, you know, the premier programs in the state. But with how much talent that state produces... I mean, the not even the, the seconds, the thirds, are still really quality players that the state of West Virginia doesn't produce. That's right. That's right. Um, we can do one of these quickly. Uh, let's get to 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. E-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. One, two, it's the final countdown! 
number five on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Navy midshipman. I know it's weird. Maybe we should have made an adjustment and previewed them before they play a game. But we actually know a little bit more about Navy. And it was a tough start for Brian Newberry and the midshipmen. They get trounced by Notre Dame in Dublin. Ty Lavatai ended up being the starter, even though there were some projections that they might go with one of the younger guys. But Lavatai, who was the starter a year ago, started once again. There were some changes to the offense. You didn't see as much triple option. You, you, you saw some double option. You saw a little bit more creativity in the offense. They're not trying to make a wholesale change but they are in the process of kind of getting away from some of that, just they're only like four plays in the playbook, and then you've got like a heave-it-down-the-field play. Um, Navy plays in the American. They've got a chance to uh, to bounce back. Uh, Wagner has come back from the dead. He will be in Annapolis on Saturday. That's probably a really bad joke. My apologies. Uh, Navy hosts Wagner on uh, Saturday, uh, September 9th. So they get a week to uh, get over the trip back from um, Dublin. Week three, they've got a Thursday night game at Memphis, then an open date, then they play USF at home, North Texas at home. They go to Charlotte. Commander-in-Chief Series, they uh, they face Air Force on October 21st. Road trip to Temple on the 4th of November. They get UAB and East Carolina at home. Got to go to SMU on November 25th. And then uh, they will play on December 9th, this year at Foxborough, for Army-Navy. Okay, I like Phil- that. Yeah, Philadelphia has been the most frequent home of that game through the years. It's been played in a bunch of different places. I think there was uh, at least once where it was played in the Rose Bowl. Uh, it's been played in New York a few times. Philadelphia Rose Bowl does not con- fit. Oh, hmm. For Army Navy, yeah, that game needs to be cold, overcast. Yeah, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, I, I do like it when it snows. I really, really like it when it snows yeah. for that game. Uh, but they'll do it uh, in New England this year at uh, at Foxborough. So it's um, you know Navy was so good and so consistent for so long under Ken Niamatololo, but the service academies have been more affected by the changes that are happening in college football than anybody else. Because by law, they are not allowed to engage in NIL. We uh, I did a, did a couple of Navy games last year, and on a call with Ken Niamatololo, I, I may have told you guys this, that you know we were talking about NIL stuff. He's like, I mean, we, we get nothing. I was like, actually, Coach, you could tell them that if, uh, if they come to you, you'll give them a $30 million fighter jet. <laughs> <laughs> He kind of chuckled at that, but, uh, I mean, that's it. Like, there, there's nothing extra. You, you can't transfer into the Naval Academy. Uh, they, if you stay they, with our program long enough, you can have a $100 billion aircraft carrier. Yeah. But you've got to be in the program a long time to get that. You're, you're going to you're gonna have to do it. You're not redshirting guys at Navy. Um, no. there, there are a lot of things that are built into what the academy is, whether you're talking about Navy or Army or Air Force or, um, or or whatever, that are just different than the rest of college football. And I think it'll make it more impressive than ever if any of the service academies are able to win at a consistent clip in this era of college football. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. 
Super Talk Mississippi. Wrapping up the four o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Let's grab one more team on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Team number four on the countdown comes from the Pac 12. They are one of the remaining four. The Oregon State Beavers. It's <laughs> my new neighbor, right? We uh, we do not have the update from the ACC as to whether or not Stanford and Cal and SMU are getting that invite. There was a meeting among the presidents that was postponed last night because of the events in Chapel Hill yesterday. This is an Oregon State team that won 10 games last year. Jonathan Smith is a really good football coach and has done an exceptional job going into his sixth year. Year one, they went 2-10. and ten. Year two, 2019, there was a three-game improvement to five and seven. COVID was weird. They went two and five in 2020. 2021, they jumped to seven wins. It was a seven and six season. And then last year, 10 and three. Got a new quarterback this year as, uh, Goldbrunson is back, but DJ Uyangalale is going to be the starter for the Beavers this year. Is, is the second act for DJU going to be better than the first act was? A lot of people think so. I think so. I do. I, I'm one of those people. I feel like, you know, obviously when, you, when you're the guy who follows the guy, always a tough thing, and he had to follow Trevor Lawrence who won a national title, and it just didn't work out. But he, the talent is there. And I think in, in the Pac-12, I think that you know he, he has a chance to be a little bit more physically dominant. I think he could have a big season. Okay. Uh, on the ground, almost 2,000 yards rushing returning with Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick. And, um, well, they had a late transfer out. Jam Griffin, who last year on 86 carries averaged 5.7 yards per carry. He is uh, now wearing an Ole Miss uniform and is back up running back to Quinshawn Judkins. So uh, they do have that loss. But top two rushers returning, that's about 1,500 yards on the ground. Schedule. They start off at San Jose State on Sunday. That'll be game two for San Jose State, who kind of held their own with Southern Cal, at least for a while. Mm -hmm. UC Davis in week two, San Diego State in week three, both of those games at home. Then they go to Washington State. Should they? Should those two teams play each other, or should they just like hold hands? <laughs> I mean, just like as a, a show of unity. Yeah. Um, 
get Utah at home on a Friday night. That'll be a good atmosphere at Oregon State. That's on September 29th. Go to Cal at UCLA at home. Back-to-back road games with Arizona and Colorado. Back-to-back home games with Stanford and Washington. And then they close it out at Oregon on Friday, November 24th in the game that was formerly referred to as the Civil War. So that is, uh, that's Oregon State. There's some people that think they got a, that they're, that Dark Horse is the way to describe them yeah. in the Pac-12. Is that overselling yeah. them a little bit? No, because of who you've got in the league uh, with everything that Oregon's got returning. It, maybe Dark Horse is, is unfair, I guess, but uh, you would think that they are one step below Washington and Oregon. Frankly, they're probably on the same plane as USC, despite Caleb Williams being there. Yeah, I don't hate USC based on their performance the other day, but I don't think that they're running the table either. It's like somewhere. What's, in what's the what's the SEC equivalent of Oregon State? A team that you feel like could step up and, and beat almost anybody, but probably not good enough to win win the league. Ooh. Is it A and M? Tennessee. Tennessee might be a good one, and there's there's some Joe Milton DJ uh, comparisons will work. Yeah, that'll play. Because nobody because, thinks Tennessee's winning the SEC. Do I know? Well, the, just because they both transferred, I mean, is that the the comparison? Well, I mean, I think they're both physically, you know, big quarterbacks, big arm. Yeah. I think I had forgotten how big DJ. Uyungle. He's 6'4", 250. I mean, yeah. That's not quite as big as, as Joe Milton, but he is a big-bodied quarterback. He was supposed to be what Caleb Williams is. When he went to Clemson, everybody thought, like, Heisman Trophy, national champion, 1-1 overall. And you remember when he was thrust into action because of the Trevor Lawrence injury, he played well against Notre Dame. He was great. He was really, really good in that football game. But um, when it became his job, and he had the spotlight on him, and and I mean he was he was the player in Fansville. It uh, it did yeah. not go particularly well. That was two years ago. Now that's Caleb Williams. Yeah, with with Bryce Young in between the two. The Fansville yeah. curse. So um, Oregon State team number four on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. 5 o'clock hour coming up. We'll start things off with the college football fix when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. So we were at Pearl River Resort yesterday. We had an interesting conversation about musical acts as it pertains to uh, the favorites of head coaches across the country. So I, I got an email from uh, Josh, who's the advertising manager at, uh, at Pearl River Resort this morning. He was sending their, their updated spots for September. And uh, just uh, above the uh, signature line in his email, he had highlighted in bold print, hashtag justice for Taylor Swift. So, 
You've become Why does she the, need justice? You have become quite the uh, contra, uh, controversial figure there, Mr. Haydad. I had somebody uh, text me about that today, and, and they, they made a really good point, and I think it's something I need to bring up here, and that's how in the hell is a man who thought that the Black Crows were Pat Green going to say anything about music to me? I didn't say anything to you about music. Oh, we had a whole debate about music yesterday. No, 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 no. no. Yes. That's not what we were debating. Oh, yes. We, we, we yes. were not the, debating the man, music. The man, we who thought, the, man who, the man who thought the 90s rapper's name was Tone Locke is going to tell me something about music. We that's what's going to happen. debating music. That's not what the oh, debate okay. was about. The debate was about oh, okay. you being able to get inside another grown man's head to believe what to to know what he really truly is thinking and what he believes. It wasn't I mean, about music. I'm in your head right now, Cross. Yeah. That's where I am. Except, rent free. Except you're not. Hey, Hashtag whatever. rent free. Hey, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. We've had fun there. You will too. Dancing Rabbit Golf yes, Club. DancingRabbitGolf.com. You can book your tee time and plan your trip to 18 hole championship courses in phenomenal shape right now. Uh, you can be part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. It's time right now for the college football fix. It's driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Here is Lane Kiffin from yesterday. All right. Play so, it. Um, there it is. You threw me for a loop there. Through full day preparing for Mercer. These guys played well Saturday. They've played very well last year they played extremely hard um you know even if you go back two years ago when they were at alabama how well they played on defense how well they played early but especially on defense in that game and the problems they gave them and so um we're gonna have our hands full have to prepare really well and um ready to play in a lot of heat also and prepared for what comes with that and how to how to play through that and so got a lot of work to do i thought that the mock game went really well which is not always the case every year i thought the guys did a really good job of responding to, to making it like a game day and their energy and their communication and substitutions um whatever the score was 72 nothing or something which I think on the surface everybody would expect that's how it is no matter what, but it, it is not that way every year. We come out of that game frustrated sometimes, so <clears throat> that was good to see. So back to work and really like where the where they are um, as a team as far as the way that they work, how they prepare. I don't know that how they're going to play for sure, but I do like that part of them so far. Lane, have you decided who's going to be starting at quarterback Saturday? Um, we've not made that final decision. Um, we're very excited about all of the guys. As far as for the starter, that's you know, two people. And both guys did extremely well, made really explosive plays Saturday, managed the off- offense well, and we feel very confident with either of them. 
you mentioned in your opening statement about you know trying to prepare uh, to play during the heat and trying to figure out what that's going to look like. What does that preparation look like? Well, the good thing is we're playing at home, so we we have this heat to practice, and it's not like you know we're going to a different region. So um, we have it here. We played at the exact same time Saturday, um, you know, so dealt with that and dealt with the heat out there Saturday, and that means that you got to really push yourself and. And also expect to play multiple players and be ready for your role, whatever that role is, um, however many snaps that is. But usually in this type of heat, you end up playing more players. So it's a good opportunity for guys. Lane, what, what would you still like to learn from Spencer and Jackson before you make that call? Uh, I just still like to collect information and um, still keep practicing and Keep pushing forward, and like I said, I feel extremely confident in both guys um, can take and, and win games, and both guys have, so um, on big stages, which is very unusual to have. That's more like in the NFL you have veterans like that, so um, I wouldn't think too many people have that. You know, two guys that have been on the big stage and performed well, so we're excited. Lane, what are your thoughts on the, the new rule with the uh, clock continuing on first downs? Yeah, I don't like it. I mean, I, I like change when it's needed. And, um, you know, so I'm sure most offensive guys don't like it. Most defensive guys do. Um, so there was a glaring difference. Now, it's only so many games were played this weekend. But, you know, it was 1.6 or 1.7 possessions different last year um, which is a lot so that would be a, that, that would be a big difference <clears throat> so uh, I don't like it I think the game was very exciting I think college football is very exciting fans love it people love it so I don't think this change um, was needed at all but we're kind of run by some defensive coaches if you haven't noticed lately the last few years and all rule changes Every one of them has been defensive-oriented. We even change what pass interference is on defense now. Now they don't have to look at the ball, and if they run into us, it's not pass interference. So wonder who's on that committee. Lane, is there anything that you're looking forward to learning that's maybe easier to evaluate once you're in a real game situation versus practice or mock game? Uh, yeah, I mean, we try to do the best that we can. Obviously, there's no crowd out there, and... Um, you know, the, the nerves that go with, go with being on television. And so you don't ever know for sure. You don't ever know for sure at the next level. In the NFL, even when they played in big college games, you see people perform different. So um, you just never know. You just try to make it the closest that you can and study the players and their habits and how they react. Our readers have been asking a lot about uh, Zachary Franklin. What, what can you tell? What does he bring to the field when he's healthy? From what you've seen, and do you have maybe a timetable update for our readers? Yeah, he's not out there practicing yet, um, unfortunately. So it's hard for me to answer what he looks like. You obviously, know what he's looked like before. A couple thousand yard seasons there, and really big time playmaker um, there, but. We, we don't know that yet. Um, and anticipate him out there soon. 
How do you feel having shifted now from install and kind of just working on yourselves to now entering game week with where the defense is and what Golding's been able to kind of do up to this point the last month? I feel really good. Um, you know, the way that they communicated with each other all Saturdays, but last Saturday and, um, you know, getting 11 guys on the same page and putting in enough stuff that causes problems, but not too much stuff that we don't know what we're doing. So, um, again, I'd never worked with Pete. I just obviously had a lot of people in common that had worked with him and heard about him for a long time. And um, and he's extremely impressed, and I understand why so many coaches have spoke so highly of him um, from a schematical standpoint and, and just the ability to see everything. You've had concern with all the new faces about chemistry. In August, have you seen some good chemistry so far? Yeah, I have. I've seen really good chemistry. Um, I don't think if you pull up a year ago, I, I said that. So you're obviously not going to be a coach to sit up here and say, man, I feel really bad about it. Um, but I didn't feel this way a year ago. And that ended up showing itself, unfortunately. Um, I, I feel much different about this. Um, I feel like you have a ton of new players majority of them have played a lot and um, have come in with the right attitude of, of buying into the team and what can they do even in reduced roles at times um, from you know what they've done before or what they were hoping everybody hopes they're the guy I mean that's just how it works and um, so but again it's easier now than it is once you get in season and Things aren't going the way you want them to go, but been very pleased about that. That was Lane Kiffin yesterday at his uh, weekly press uh, gathering. Uh, you had a lot of text messages, and they were all something along the lines of, wow, did he just wake up? Is he high? There was a reference to Quaaludes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There was actually some interesting information in there. We'll hear from Zach Arnett coming up next. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. We heard from Lane Kiffin, and boy, did he sound excited to be doing that local media gathering yesterday. <laughs> you know, the crazy Ish. thing is, if you read between the lines, I actually think he likes his football team a lot. That's And, and I think he's actually excited about that. But, I mean, he was like, he was like one heartbeat above flatlined. That's how he always is in those. And it's, it's like yeah, sometimes it's worse than others, and that one was that was tough. Yeah. So you've got to really like listen to the words because the energy is just not going to sell you on anything at all. Um, I don't buy the quarterback thing, and nobody does. Uh, of course, they know what they're going to do on Saturday. Of course, they do. They know. There's no yeah. more information information to gather. They know what they're going to do. Um. But yeah. It, the, the answer about the new clock rule was interesting. He clearly is frustrated. You think the world's out to get offense, ain't I know, it? right? I mean, he complained about PIs now. It's like every rule that's created is to help the offense, man. But 
No, you're right, though. If you if you read the words instead of listen to them, <laughs> likes his team. People have sent us the picture that's hanging up in the uh, – Lane Kiffin tweeted uh, from his account yesterday – um, the don't be an Eeyore positive vibes only <laughs> picture. He sounded like Eeyore in the press conference. Let's see if, let's see if Zach Arnett reminds us at all of Tigger as he gets ready for game number one for Mississippi State. This was yesterday in Starkville. Bulldogs head coach Zach Arnett. I appreciate everyone being here. Uh, good afternoon. Probably a couple minutes late, so it is probably afternoon now. Uh, obviously, we're excited to get things kicked off and going. Uh, you know, it's been a long physical training camp, and I could definitely tell last week we're to the point as a football team that we're kind of tired of practicing against each other and want to spare, spend some time preparing for a game and playing someone else. And so uh, there's a new kind of energy and excitement around the building. Obviously, it's game week, uh, so that should help help improve our practice efforts. Um, obviously, I want to say thank you to the fan base. You know, season tickets being sold out. It's going to be a heck of an environment around here come Saturday. Uh, and that definitely has the players excited. Anytime you're a competitor, you're a player, you want to play in front of a packed house in an electric environment. And so thank you to the fans because I know they, they always create that here. Uh, but we're excited to get things kicked off. Uh, we face a very quality opponent. It's going to be a challenge for us. You know, Coach Cellphone and his staff, they've done a tremendous job. Obviously, they're coming off a, a conference championship uh, winning season. You know, they're, they're co-champs of that conference last year, and I believe that in the head-to-head matchup, they beat the team they shared it with. Um, extremely dynamic on offense, uh, putting up a lot of points on everyone, uh, very sound, fundamentally sound, schematically sound on defense, make you earn everything you get. And so we have our hands full. I, I shared that message to the players on on Saturday at our kind of mock game we did here is uh, we got our hands full this week. And so we have to have a great week of preparation. We got to get ourselves ready to go and play a full 60 minutes uh, four-quarter football game because that's what it's going to be. Uh, it's a tremendous program annually. They're very successful every year. And so uh, we got our hands full. But we're excited to get things going. And with that, I'll open it up to the questions. Season openers, I know, bring a lot of uh, emotion. You've gone through this as a player and as a GA and as a coordinator. It's your first time to go through, like, game week as a season opener, as a head coach. How are things maybe a little bit different for you this go-around? Well, obviously, there's more things I'm responsible for uh, managing, right? First time ever having to do one of these press conferences right here. Uh, overseeing the practice schedule, making sure we're getting enough reps, but but not doing too much where we take a tired team into the football game, right? That's kind of the balancing act. You are always, you're always juggling. You want to get as many reps as you can, so that way you feel you can execute at a very high level, uh, but you got to make sure you got a fresh team coming into the game. And like I said, it's been a, a long physical camp, and so those are things we, we discuss and weigh on a daily basis. Uh, and I guess I probably have to give you second half of that answer next week after you know going through the week and reviewing it all Zach you're just talking about the accomplishments you know for Southeast Louisiana last season does it help with a veteran team to you know ensure players are going to look ahead and see you know the power five games you guys have you know after this weekend I think the easiest thing to obviously we watched quite a bit of film already you know we spent last week getting into some scout work and and treating it like a game week so we've been working on them a little bit but uh we've watched quite a bit of film but you don't have to watch much film to know 
fact that you're playing a very talented football team. Uh, you know, they can they can spread you out, run a lot of great route concepts. That stress coverage. Uh, <laughs> you, got, you got a transfer quarterback coming in who's first team preseason all conference, and the returning quarterback is the second team preseason all conference. Right, so uh, obviously you you worry about a team anytime you got that type of veteran presence at the quarterback position because that's who makes an offense go and so uh, for them to have first and second team preseason all conference at quarterback position uh, that'll catch your attention real quick obviously we saw the depth chart come out today uh i just want to know like how locked in are you to you on those starters how much do you continue to evaluate that just even throughout the week you know even though you do list guys as a starter oh that'll go all the way through the week of course right i mean i'm you can't you can't play a guy if he has a horrible week of practice and doesn't know the game plan or or doesn't execute and is making assignment errors and so I mean every every player knows and understand that that's just that's that's part of it oh, but those guys have the, they certainly have the leg up that's why they're listed on number one in the in that position right now so hey Zach how's it going uh, you were talking about how kind of a lot of stuff is new for you obviously with this first week and. Something else that'll be new is kind of those head coaching in-game adjustments. I was just wondering if you had kind of done any preparation this kind of spring or summer to kind of prepare for those moments, for those in-game adjustments by a head coach, and uh, what's kind of gone into that? I mean, obviously, being a defense coordinator the last three years, you got to make in-game adjustments all the time in terms of the de- defensive schematics. I guess if you're asking me more about, you know, timeout strategy, uh, managing the clock, yeah, certainly – Certainly, that's been a big part of my off-season study, uh, and now again with the way analytics have kind of taken over the game, there's a whole lot of theory and charts on when to use them, how to use them. Uh, so that's been it's been interesting off-season reading. Yeah. As a head coach, and I know you've had a very eventful career even in the short time that you've been around but uh who do you maybe lean on who were some people maybe with as you kind of prepared for this position and for this season that maybe you reached out to for some insight oh i think i think a big big thing i've said it since i got hired right was is the reason the staff who the staff is here right, again there's over 100 years of sec experience on the current staff uh, there's quite a few former head coaches you know Two, Joey Jones, Steve Campbell work in the building. They're not on-field coaches, right? But they, they've got quite a bit of head coaching experience. They've coached a lot of games. So um, they're guys I talk to about situations. And, uh, yeah, I talk to other people, too, who I've worked with or know that are off at other places now. I'm, I won't bother mentioning their names, but I've got a lot of experience right in the building that uh, provides a lot of support to me. If there is a situation or an issue that I want to talk through with a former head coach. I mean, they're right there in the building. I don't really need to call a whole bunch of people around the country. Tony Hughes also been a head coach before, too. So, the Coach, along those lines, and piggybacking off maybe what John asked you earlier, just maybe coaching the bowl game uh, last January, not, not even a year ago, does that help you coming into this season that you do have a game experience and having that opportunity to, to at least get your feet wet as a head coach? I don't know. I'm gonna be honest with you. I think this is one of those things where uh, the the result of the game kind of determines what the what the evaluation is by everyone in the media, right? Uh, if you lose, obviously, it didn't give you much much experience and valuable teachable moments. And if you win, people kind of blow right past it. So, 
yeah, I think any, any time you have experience doing something, I talk about that with the players, right? Uh, if you can play a guy who's got a whole bunch of experience uh, as opposed to playing a first-time starter, yeah, there, there's value in that, right? It's always nice to have a veteran experienced team coming back. I imagine it's the same thing with coaching. Uh, Coach, do you guys talk at all, um, you know, with players about the, the preseason projections and, and use it as motivation with, you know, State being picked to finish last uh, in media poll and things like that? Uh, certainly not right now. We got to prepare for an opponent. Nothing about nothing about spending time worrying about preseason pro- projections. Uh, all that does is distract us from the job at hand, and that is, right, preparing for Southeast Louisiana. And we have to control what we control. The only thing we can control. How we prepare, how we show up and work every day this week and get ready for the game on Saturday. That was Zach Arnett. My, I have to believe that he is so ready to coach a regular season game so that he can stop ask, answering questions about, well, what's it going to feel like to coach your first game? Who do you lean on for, you know, questions about, you know, how do you handle this? And he's like, just, just let me coach. Let's just go play a game. And it's not a whole lot different than players, right? They're tired of hitting each other. They're tired of answering questions. They just want to go play. And it is mercifully almost here. Almost here. Half an hour left with you. We'll have trivia when we come back and a whole lot more. It's Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. More coming up. Back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Genteel. GenteelApparel.com. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find all of their great-looking stuff online at their website. Again, GenteelApparel.com. Of course, also available at men's clothing stores across the state of Mississippi. Great golf shirts, great shorts, great pants, pullovers. they got some new items that have come in for the fall. They've got uh, some some half-zip hoodies uh, that are going to uh, make their debut this year. Some of the quarter zips, uh, some new colors uh, that are uh, going to be part of the fall collection as well. So, Gentile is presenting our 10 days of trivia. And yesterday, I messed up, right? I, I, I screwed up. We had a winner. My, my screw-up didn't affect who the winner was, but I want to make good on it. So we're going to give you a bonus today going to give you a bonus trivia question. We were doing 10 days of trivia. We're still doing 10 days of trivia, but we're going to have 11 winners. I'm going to give you two trivia questions today. Should um, Hey, Dad, should we, should we do them one at a time or throw both of them out there at the same time? Do one at a time. Easier one at, at a time. time. All right. Yeah. Uh, trivia question number one. You, you know the drill. Text your answer to the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. The first winner will get a Genteel golf shirt, and we will um, we will let you pick the size, and we will let you pick the style, right? You can get an Ole Miss shirt, a Mississippi State shirt, a Southern Miss shirt, or a Super Talk Mississippi shirt. You're going to love them. 
Great shirts. If you haven't tried them, they are uh, they are fantastic. Trivia question number one. In the last ten years, four of the Heisman Trophy winners have played in the SEC. Who are those four Heisman Trophy winners that played in the SEC in the last ten years? 601-879-4395. The first correct answer will get a golf shirt from Gentile. The four Heisman Trophy winners out of the last ten years that played in the SEC. So that's question number one. We'll have a bonus question for you coming up here in uh, in just a second. Nebraska Nebraska tight end Eric Gilbert. Remember that name? He was LSU tight end, and then he was Georgia tight end, and now he's Nebraska tight end. We already got a winner here. Okay. That was fast. That was quick. Yeah. See, I, what's I went a, what's easier kind of an question. easy question, yeah. I know. I know. I went easier question. You guys thought I was making it too complicated. I didn't think that. Well, I just messed up the answer. Maybe I thought I was making it too complicated. Sometimes you attribute thoughts and feelings to hate at night that we don't have. I do. Yeah, I do. I do. It's intentional. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, Eric good Gilbert shirts. you got to earn them. Was arrested without incident shortly before 2 a.m. at SJ's Liquor and Vape Shop in Lincoln. He was apprehended by officers while carrying a bag that contained $1,672 in vape products, Delta 8, cigars, and lighters. What is Delta 8? Uh, It's a THC or marijuana-based product. Okay. I have no idea. I don't vape. I yeah, know. they, they I don't do. Know anything about vaping? They, they, oh no, no! But hold on a second. You you made it abundantly clear earlier in the show today that you were hip to all the stuff that the kids were doing, and that I was the old man that had no idea what was going on in the world, and so I just assumed that you would know what okay. Delta Eight was. Yeah. There, hey dad, I don't. Yeah, they make like they they advertise on on a podcast that I really enjoy, and so that's how I know what it is. But yeah, it's like lesser. Effective. Basically, you're getting high just on a, you, on a smaller amount. You listen amount. to a pothead uh, podcast, there, Borky? No, it just Delta is. Are you are you listening to podcasts about marijuana? marijuana. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. <laughs> oh goodness! All right, so we got a winner there. We got a winner there. I have one yeah. more videos one more. out of this arrest. By the way, if you want me to send it to you, I will. Uh, the the vape shop. As you can imagine, it's pretty good security. In this video, you see the the T-shirt that he's got wrapped around his head. It was his shirt uh, because he is shirtless. Throwing a brick or a rock at the window, trying to kick the door down. He finally gets in, kicks the door down of the vape shop, and you see him inside of the vape shop uh, just kind of you know picking through. He's not in any hurry. He's moving kind of slowly around the shop hmm. and starts... He, he steals what he wants to steal, and the video cuts to the police outside of the door, and there's uh, six, co- seven cops and a dog. So is this theft? Is that what we're dealing with? Theft and a, a okay. breaking yeah. and entering. Burglary. And yeah. He, yeah. he's walking down the hall, and, and he's, like, looking at his bag, and then looks up and sees the officers and drops the bag and goes, oh, no. Like, he did not expect the police to be there after he's taking yeah. his time after violently breaking in 
to a vape shop to steal a bunch of stuff. I just didn't expect the police to be there, uh, didn't resist at all because he was shocked to see them there. The video is is unfortunate uh, to watch, though, knowing who he is uh, and what he is capable of doing, and and it's resorting to to something so stupid. It's it's a shame, but. Mm. All right, let's give a shout out here to uh, Will Disbrow of Starkville, Mississippi. Hey, Will, he has got it. He he got the answer. To get you that the old answer was... shirt as soon as you're ready. <laughs> is that what he wanted? It is not. It is not. Oh, okay. Uh, and he had the correct answer. The last four Heisman Trophy winners in the last decade from the SEC: Bryce Young, Devontae Smith, Joe Burrow, and Derrick Henry. Somebody all need to realize that uh, it's not. Uh, Ten years ago is is a decade, and 2009 was more than than ten years ago. A lot of people saying Mark Ingram. I'm like, it's been a while for Mark Ingram. He's retired retired from from the the NFL. NFL. (laughs) Yes, he has. He's going to be on Big Noon Saturday every Saturday as an analyst. That's how old we are. All right, bonus question for you. This is um, this one's just kind of off the wall. I, I I think this is probably easy, but maybe not. In 1993, Ole Miss and Alabama played a nationally televised game in Oxford. Who were the announcers? I want the play-by-play, the analyst, and the sideline reporter for that game. The sideline reporter makes it tough. Yep. There you go. Who was the 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 announcing group? Play-by-play, analyst, and sideline reporter. For Ole Miss, Alabama, nationally televised game in 1993. There you go. So you're going to have to hope you know the answer because I don't. (laughs) I have no idea who the sideline guy is. Yeah. I'm going to text you my my, my guess on the sideline guy. We, yeah, we got a winner. Smitty was quick on that one. And some others are are following up. Stan Sandroni is an answer that we get. That is unfortunately incorrect. Though Stan Sandroni was on the sidelines that game. Uh, It was not Dave, Dave, and Dave. That was a regional telecast, not a national telecast. My my guess was incorrect. Who would you have gone with? Dr. Jerry Punch. It was not Dr. No, he was was ESPN at that time. Yeah, he was with Ron so. Franklin and Mike Godfrey in the uh, the early '90s, I think. Unless Adrian Karsten was the uh, sideline reporter at that time. Yeah. So um, somebody said, if you knew that that quick, you have no life. Well, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's just one of those games that I've so watched. Smitty is our winner. We need to let this guy know here. Yes, Smitty is the winner. We need to let him know. We'll get uh, the mailing address and uh, get Smitty's information and all of those things. Um, Keith Jackson, Bob Greasy, and Lynn Swan. It was the ABC National Game of the Week, and um, there's nobody that sounded quite like the great Keith Jackson. Take a listen. Deep alongside Kevin Lee for Alabama. Steve Lindsay, number 21, a freshman out of Hattiesburg, will kick it off for the Rebels, and the game is on. 
Palmer drifting back, watches the ball bouncing around, finally picked up by Lee, and Lee is taken down at the two-yard line. David Palmer looked up into the bright sun, couldn't see the ball. Couldn't see That's it. It's going to be a problem all afternoon, looking into the sun in that direction. So that was the uh, it was the opening kickoff of that game. I will uh, you, you can say I have no life, but again, I probably watched that at least the beginning of that game about a hundred times growing up. I had it on on VHS, and uh, they came on the air, and about the time they came onto the air, and Keith Jackson and Bob Greasy are on camera in the booth. Ole Miss is running onto the field, and the cannon fires. <laughs> And it looked like Bob Greasy was going to jump out of the booth. He jumped. Keith Jackson looked at him. He said, your first trip to Oxford, Mississippi. <laughs> and Greasy goes, never been here before. Never been here. They came onto the air, and Keith Jackson, and one of, uh, you know, he was was so good. They came on, and he goes, and they know how in Oxford, Mississippi. It was, it was a great day. Except for the fact that uh, David Palmer in Alabama spoiled the party. It was, um, whew, David Palmer was good that day. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll wrap it up with you coming up next. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry, poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. Super Talk Mississippi. All right. Yeah. Well, I must admit, I can't explain. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Great to be with you in the uh, in the Pearl River Resort studios. So we had a couple of winners today on trivia. Very good. Uh, congratulations to Smitty. And who did you say the other one was? Hey, Dad. Will in Starkville. Will in Starkville looking for Will's message. What time did that come through? Like your last communication? Uh, I got it's 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 right here. It's at five forty-five. Ah, okay. Thank you. I will uh, I will pull that up. And uh, Will wants to know if you can be a multiple-time uh, winner. Winner. Has he already won? Eh. No, he is. He, uh, well, unless he did it under a different phone number. No, no, you cannot. You cannot win more than twice. So if you have won, you are done. More than once. More than you twice would be, twi- you can oh, win twice. More than twice. No, no you go. cannot win twice. You can no. only win one time in this contest. All right. So, there we go. And it's disbro, not disbrow. My bad. Gotcha. Good to know. So, all right. So, two winners today. I like that. Yeah. Like, uh, we, we hey, we are, we are spreading the good word about Genteel also. Yeah. We, we, there are 11 people. When this is all said and done, that are going to get genteel golf shirts, and it will not be the last genteel golf shirt they get. Once you you wear one and you try it out, you're going to love it, and 
you will uh, you will be for every one we give away. We're selling one too because not only either the person will buy one more or their friends will be like, "Where did you get that shirt?" And right. they'll get one. That's right, no doubt. Um, just two more days, guys. Yeah, for for us. Yeah, yeah you're done. You're See out ya. of here. I, yeah. I am. Talk about being winners. Borky and I are winners. Oh, you're you're right. Um, you, you are correct. So hopefully, I'm going to be able to jump on for a little while on Friday. Sorry to disappoint you, but uh, yeah, that'll be good. We got a big night of football to recap. Yeah. No doubt. Define hopefully. Well, um, I have a game on Friday night. I'm sorry, on Thursday night in Birmingham, doing doing UAB and North Carolina A and T. Hopefully for who? For me. Hopefully, oh, I will okay. be here on the first Friday going into college football season. Yeah, because we got to do picks. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave true. Birmingham early Friday morning, drive to Nashville, go to Vanderbilt's practice, and then meet with Vanderbilt coaches, and hopefully that will be done. And uh, I'll jump on with you guys after that. So looking forward right. to uh, that. But yeah, I'm out the uh, the next couple of days. Yeah, sit down and interview with uh, Trent Dilfer tomorrow night. Looking forward to that. Yeah. You cannot lose games in the AAC and win. Make sure you tell him that. Yeah. Was he the one that said that? Yeah. You cannot yes. lose games in the NFL yeah. in and the still NFL win. In the NFL and win. Yeah. You got to hit was, him. What was the context of that? Was it? Were they like talking about moral I, victories I, or something? A viral or? clip. I, I, just... I, think, I think they were talking. I think they were talking about like turnovers and giving the game away. And he he's trying to say you can't give away games and win, mm. but it turns into you cannot lose games and wins. Well, okay. no duh. Yeah, um, we've all been there. The United yeah. States Ryder Cup team is set. Uh, the captains' picks. Well, first of all, the, the automatic qualifiers. So it's six and six. Scotty Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Patrick Cantlay, Max Homa, and Xander Shoffley. Those are the automatic qualifiers. And then Zach Johnson, the captain of the U.S. Ryder Cup team, picked these six. Sam Burns, Ricky Fowler, Brooks Kepka, Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, and Justin Thomas. That means there are two Two in particular that were left out that have been playing really good golf. Keegan Bradley, a lot of people that felt like that was a snub, and Lucas Glover, who was red hot, won the Wyndham Championship, and then he won the FedEx uh, St. Jude Championship in Memphis. Justin Thomas better play well. Yeah. Because he's, right. he's been in horrible form. He, he's been in really bad form. For him. Justin Thomas has been really, really good at the Ryder Cup. He's made two appearances. He played on the 2018 team and the 2021 team, and he has a career record of six wins, two losses, and a half. He's gone two and two in foursomes, two zero and one in the four ball, and two and zero in singles matches. So, um, you know, that's ultimately why you go with with Justin Thomas. He is a world-class player who has been in a slump. And if the United States loses and he plays poorly, that will be Zach Johnson's legacy as the captain. If he plays well, 
that also will be Zach Johnson's legacy. So that's your Ryder Cup team. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Hey, Dad and Borky, have got you the next two days. Good night. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.